0: And join the math club.
1: Everybody go join a math club. Even if you're a full-blown adult, find a math club and join it so you can brag about being a mathlete.
0: Well, it's not to brag. It's just to make your life better.
1: Right. Right. That too.
0: Welcome to Pennies and Popcorn, the show about real money lessons from the world of TV and movies.
1: With your hosts, Carla Cash and Robert Davidson, a couple of personal finance geeks, Movie lovers.
0: Welcome to today's show. Uh, this show is going to drop on Labor Day week and kids are going back to school. And Carla, I think we had a good idea. We're going to put out several episodes in a row that all have a similar theme about school.
1: Yeah, it's back to school.
0: Yeah, and today we're kicking it off with one of our favorites that's all about being in school, Mean Girls.
1: <laughs> Robert, how many times do you think you and I have seen this movie?
0: Um I think this is the second time when I watched it.
1: Uh huh. Plus the, the second time in in,
0: in this month. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's been at least thirty times for me. Oh, it, it hasn't
0: been that many times for me, but I basically lived it, so it's all yeah. good.
1: Yeah, Robert is Kevin G. If you haven't seen the movie in a while,
0: the G is silent.
1: There is there is a uh, strong subplot about being a mathlete, and Robert was a mathlete. Right here, live with you, ladies and gentlemen, you have your very own mathlete. Yes. I hope you weren't quite as uh, vulgar as Kevin G was when you were in high school. I didn't know you back then, but I'm hoping.
0: Oh, certainly I was worse. (laughs) Uh, What I did read, though, is that the actor who played Kevin G, who had to do that hip-hop scene in the Christmas program, (laughs) didn't know how to rap. And so (laughs) Tina Fey and Amy Poehler had to teach him on set.
1: I mean, he pulled it off. I feel like he did a really good job. Nicely done, Kevin G. I hope that guy's doing well in life. I haven't seen him in anything else that I can recall.
0: I mean, once you do Mean Girls, how are you going to top it?
1: That's true. That's true. Uh, so we could drone on and on forever with fun facts about this movie, because um, it's one of our favorites. Like, I know a lot of fun facts just off the top of my head. I,
0: I mean, I think it's one of the most quotable movies out there.
1: It is definitely super quotable. Okay, so here's one little fun fact. You know the scene where there's they're handing out the candy canes. And Damien says, four for you, Glenn Coco. Uh, you lo- go, Glenn Coco. We love Glen Coco. Yes. Everyone loves Glen Coco. Apparently, that is a, a real person. They used somebody's real name, uh, that Tina Fey was friends with. And now he's immortalized forever. You go Glen Coco.
0: Is Glenn Coco a boy or a girl? It's a boy. You're you're certain?
1: I feel I feel pretty confident. I guess you're I mean, there is Glenn close. She's a woman, but I feel pretty confident Glenn Coco is a is
0: a boy. All right. Putting is yourself out there. Well, Glenn Coco, if you're listening, please correct us. <laughs> now, Mean Girls is a 2004 movie, and it's huge, and everybody loves it. It definitely has a cult following for sure. I was surprised to read that it even made it up to the highest levels of U.S. leadership. In August of 2013, at early in Obama's second term, the White House tweeted something about the movie Mean Girls. Uh-huh. They showed a picture of the first dog next to a tennis ball.
1: Whose name is Bo, by the way.
0: Yes, it was Bo. And the tweet was, Bo, stop trying to make Fetch happen, which is (laughs) just an adorable tweet, right?
1: It is very adorable, like top 1% of tweets of all time, I have to imagine. Yeah,
0: but Fetch, that's for Mean Girls.
1: Yeah. So I did read that apparently they used the word Fetch. So if you're not up on Mean Girls... This movie came out in 2004. So Go it watch it now. Just watch it now. Yes. It's better
0: than our episode, I guarantee it.
1: Do that. But um, the word fetch is something that one of the characters in the movie, she's like trying to make that word catch on as sort of like a synonym for cool, basically. And that's uh, so fetch. Yeah, there's a scene where um, Regina George, she's like the queen bee. At one point, she kind of snaps and she's like, Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's never going to happen. But it's supposedly British slang. But it's not. In reality, that's never a thing that they said anywhere in the world. And apparently Tina Fey, the writer behind the film, did that on purpose because she didn't want to use a word like groovy or something. Gruel. That had been an actual term that was popular at one time because she didn't want the movie to seem like dated. So and I think that really worked. Like if she had picked a different word, I think it would have been way less fun. And she's right. It would have dated the movie more. And now now fetch has happened. I mean, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. She made Fetch a Thing.
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> I think we can go ahead and dive into a brief plot summary and then move on to our first clip. So if you haven't seen it in a while, the plot is very basic. You've got a young 16-year-old girl. Her name is Katie Heron.
0: Played by Lindsay Lohan.
1: Uh-huh. This is by far her best role of all time.
0: This is her first role that she starred in that wasn't a Disney movie, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. She'd done like Freaky Friday and The Parent Trap. And I think that Herbie movie, but yeah, this was her first non-Disney film for sure. So Katie Heron is the main character. She is starting mainstream school for the first time ever at age 16 because her parents are research zoologists who have been traveling around the continent of Africa for many, many years, I think 12 years, since Katie was four years old, and now... They have moved back to the States. The show takes place in the Chicago area and it's about Katie like going to school and experiencing all the trials and tribulations that high school has to offer. Um, and she gets sort of adopted by this clique of the super popular girls. Um, but she doesn't Always love those popular girls. So there's some drama about like, are they really her friends? Is she pretending to be their friend?
0: And then there's the primary subtext of will she or won't she join the mathletes?
1: That's so true. Which, it's really the main subplot. Uh huh. That's the thing that Robert cares about the most. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much yeah, all you need to know. Just watch the movie. Go watch the movie. <laughs> Do it great. now.
0: It's on Netflix. I think it expires at the end of September. And who knows where you'll be able to watch it then. So go watch it now.
1: Yeah, it really, it's a good plug. You should go check it out. So let's dive into our very first clip where we just briefly hear Katie kind of explaining her background and why she's been homeschooled for all these years. So there's a funny sequence at the beginning of the film, um, which I think is way less relevant now in a post-COVID world about how homeschooled kids were considered like kind of Weird. Katie is explaining what was going on with her life and why she was homeschooled. But my family's totally normal, except for the fact that both my parents are research zoologists and we spent the last 12 years in Africa. I had a great life, but then my mom got off her tenure at Northwestern University. So it was goodbye Africa and hello high school.
0: So Carla, what would you rather do? Be a traveling research zoologist in Africa for a dozen years or a tenure professor at Northwestern?
1: Okay. Okay. Well, to answer that question, I have to make a confession because in this this scene... You, you
0: did travel around Africa for 12 years as a research zoologist?
1: Yes, I've had a whole other life that you didn't know about. Wow. Um, no, in this scene in the movie, they're showing snapshots of her parents like working in the field in Africa. And there's a shot of one of her parents, I forget which one, holding a giant python of some sort. And I am... Minorly ophidiophobic, which means I have a snake phobia. Uh, And I have to imagine, if you're like a research biologist in Africa, at least some part of your job is going to involve reptiles, perhaps the legless variety. And I would not be a fan of that.
0: Well, Carla, let me share some news for you. I'm ready. That particular snake that that guy is holding is not native to Africa
1: that's at the time i was thinking that like do they really have pythons? i know they have terrible snakes in africa
0: there were multiple animal goofs in the making of this movie they show a (laughs) picture of a young lindsey lohan riding on an elephant it's an asian elephant not the african kind
1: that that same thing with the snake yeah the snake does not look like an african snake when i think of african snakes it doesn't feel like pythony but uh in any event whatever kind of snakes might have been involved (laughs) i would not have been okay with it uh don't like snakes of any kind. So do you
0: like professors? This yeah. is kind of an easy one for you. Yeah,
1: so I think I would have more fun teaching in a classroom setting. although it would be fun to study all the other animals. If I could have like a reptile exemption from my research biologist uh, field work, then yeah, I would I would think it'd be really fun to travel around and study animals.
0: All right. well, what do you get paid if that's your job Because I'm totally curious about this. She's got two parents traveling around Africa doing their science study thing, which sounds really fascinating. Are they just like living hand to mouth or what?
1: So according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, a zoologist or wildlife researcher, um, the average salary you're looking at is about $64,000 a year. So it's not a bad living. I would
0: imagine they're doing better than that because it seems like they are more educated than the basic level and are likely affiliated with the university.
1: Yeah, we don't get any details on it from the film, but that seems like a reasonable assumption. Also, the fact that she's getting a professorship at Northwestern University, which is a very prestigious place, um, seems to indicate she's probably got a PhD. So yeah, they probably were doing a little bit better than average, I would imagine, for a zoologist.
0: I would also think that this might be a little bit like people who are serving in the military, where... You're getting a salary, but your housing expenses are sometimes covered by your employer, right? I can't imagine that they're stuck trying to find a place to live, or frankly, the places that they're living as a research scientist are probably not so fancy. But anyway, they have less of the normal living expenses than the average person would living, doing this job. And so perhaps when they come home, they have a nice pool of money that they could have saved up.
1: Yeah, that seems very possible. Um, again, it's all conjecture because we don't know anything about these characters, but it seems highly likely that they would at least get their travel expenses covered, I would think, maybe even like something towards their, their housing costs. So I think that is a very real possibility and something to think about if you want to consider becoming a research zoologist. So when she gets offered this professorship at Northwestern, a reasonable guess of what her salary would be today would be about 200 250, a pretty reasonable guess based on the numbers that Northwestern publishes. Um, and a tenured position at a university like that, that's a pretty tough thing to turn down. So yeah,
0: what... the tenure means you get to keep it until, you, unless you do something really offensive, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. So it's not a bad gig to have, to have like a virtually guaranteed $200,000 ish salary for the rest of your life or a the rest of your career, it's pretty solid. Yeah,
0: but if you love being out in the field, it may not be for you. I mean, if they liked doing that for a dozen years, I kind of think she's going to miss it. What's she going to do? Sit in front of a computer and read articles about the scholarly work that other people have done? I don't know. She's going to be sad and feel empty inside. And then what about her dad? I mean, is he just stuck like Going to the Chicagoland Zoo is that is that what he gets to do now?
1: Hey, that's a valid question. I do know that at some universities, where you've got a couple that both work kind of in the same field or that are both professors, or have enough education to qualify to be professors. Some universities will make that part of the package that they offer. It's like, we get it. You're a couple. Buy one,
0: get one free? Yeah,
1: I'm mean, <laughs> not free. But we'll try to find something for your spouse as well because like, otherwise we won't get you, right? You're going to have to go somewhere else where you can both find jobs. So, yeah. we Again, we don't get anything on that in the movie. The movie is totally focused on the 16-year-olds. But it's a thing that does happen in real life. So maybe he got some kind of a coattails sort of package i don't know
0: well you're right the movie is focused on the 16 year olds and i think that takes us to our next clip where we learn a whole lot more about the the primary plastics characters in the movie
1: Who are the plastics
0: 13 royalty if north shore was us weekly they would always be on the cover
1: that one there that's karen smith She is
0: one of the dumbest girls you will ever meet damien to extra in english last year she asked me how to spell orange that little one, it's Gretchen Wieners. She's totally rich because her dad invented toaster strudel. Gretchen Wieners knows everybody's business. She knows everything about everyone. That's why her hair is so big. It's full of secrets. Hey, hey, um, what's happening? And evil takes a human form in Regina George. Well, i be fooled, because she may seem like your typical selfish, backstabbing, slut-faced hoe bag, but in reality, she is so much more than that. Regina
1: George is flawless. She has two Fendi purses and a silver Lexus. I hear her hair is insured for $10,000. I hear she does car commercials in Japan. Her favorite movie is Varsity Blues. One time she met John Stamos on a plane. And he told her she was pretty. One time she punched me in the face. It was awesome.
0: So Janice Ian is another main character, uh, a former rival, or I guess still rival, of Regina George. She's the one who has all those not-so-nice things to say about Regina.
1: Yeah, played by Lizzie Kaplan, who does a fantastic job in this movie. And is also just a super great actress in general. I like her and everything I see her in.
0: Yeah, she's pretty good. Um, A $10,000 insurance policy for her hair doesn't really sound like that baller of a policy.
1: Yeah, well... Okay, so I have lots to say on this <laughs> subject. All right, so first of all, insuring body parts, I, up to and including hair, I assume, is a real thing. Oh, yeah. Because people people's body parts like make them lots of money. So a lot of musicians will have their hands insured. If something happens to their hands and they can't perform anymore, they get a payout from their insurance policy. It's basically like a disability policy for like your normal worker. Uh, dancers will get their legs insured. There's a famous actress named uh, Sid Charisse, who was like the legs of Hollywood. That's what she was known as in, I want to see, like the 50s or 60s.
0: She's not that famous.
1: Beautiful woman, gorgeous legs, and she had her legs insured for some astronomical sum. So yeah, it is a thing that can happen. A high school student having her hair insured does not make much sense to me. Now, possibly... Well, so the only reason to do it is if it makes you money, right? That's the only reason that that would make any sense whatsoever. Unless
0: you're afraid you're going to lose it somehow and then you need to get it replaced.
1: (laughs) But that's the thing. Hair grows back. Also, there's wigs, which actually I'm pretty sure Rachel McAdams is wearing a wig in this movie. But yeah, there are really good wigs that people can wear. And hair inevitably comes back. So especially when you're 16, it's grown pretty fast. So they mentioned this modeling thing in Japan, which sounds like a rumor. I can't imagine that's really true. But maybe if she's making bank from, you know, doing these modeling gigs, it would make sense to have her hair insured. But again, not really, because it's a replaceable body part. Like, unlike feet and hands, it grows back. So it does not make much sense to me to have your hair insured. I
0: just don't think $10,000 is enough, right? (laughs) I mean, if it's if her hair is really worth something, it's got to be worth more than $10,000.
1: Yeah, it does seem like an odd sum of money. Either she's like really doing well as a model based on her hair or she's not. And $10,000 doesn't seem like enough to compensate her if she's really doing well. So true. Lots of questions.
0: Well, these girls all seem to have some degree of money. Certainly Gretchen and Regina do. And Damien portrays them as rich. How do you feel about that?
1: I just, it always bugs me when kids call each other rich when they haven't done anything to earn it, right? Like there are wealthy children in the world who've like been child actors like Lindsay Lohan. She was a wealthy child by her own work. She earned a lot of money. But for the vast majority of kids, if your parents are wealthy, I don't think that makes you wealthy, like you haven't done anything to earn that. And depending on your parents' philosophy, like as soon as you're of age, you may not have access to any of that anymore. So it just bugs me a little bit. Like the kids themselves are not wealthy. They're just enjoying the fruits of their parents' labor.
0: Well, I always put myself in the position of being a kid and I don't know, What does it mean to be rich as a kid? I think it's ultimately that you get to go on fancy vacations and you have a huge, nice home and you may have a fancy car or your parents have fancy cars and you have nice clothes and a a deep closet with a lot of variety. And kids who are poor definitely feel it, right? They may struggle to have the money to go on a field trip or, you know, their clothes may be a little bit, maybe a little bit more worn. Um, they certainly feel the wealth difference in the families. And while the kids themselves aren't rich, like you know who's the ones like who belongs to a family that has a lot of money.
1: No, obviously that's true. But I think what really bugs me about it is the sense of entitlement that the kids seem to have, right? They seem to feel like somehow puffed up and better than other kids because of what their parents have done. And it's like, damn it, you didn't do anything. <laughs> like all you that's did was true. win the genetic lottery And that part just always really rankles my chain that those kids feel like "Mm, I won the genetic lottery and you didn't whoopty freaking do you. I don't, I don't owe you any sort of, you know, worship mentality because of that. You are not better than me in any way, shape or form.
0: Well, kids have a lot of wonderful things to offer, but I think what we'll learn in this series while looking at school related stuff is that kids as a whole can be terrible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, we definitely see a lot of terrible behavior in this movie.
0: So let's talk about each of these girls that they go through in this clip. So the first one is Karen Smith. Um, and we don't know much about her family's finances. I kind of wonder if she's able to keep up or if there's some like awkwardness of, of trying to keep up with Gretchen and Regina. But what we do know about Karen is that she is not particularly bright. She struggled to spell orange. Yeah. Carla, what... What fruit, I mean, Gwen Stefani taught us all how to spell bananas, so that's no longer the running. But what fruit do you think is the most difficult to spell?
1: I think it's got to be raspberry with that silent P in there.
0: What about cantaloupe?
1: Oh, that's a solid answer. Yeah, cantaloupe's a little bit tricky. Yeah. You got that British U kind of hanging out in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, everybody be grateful that we live in the time of spell check. Yeah. I actually think spell check. Makes us worse spellers, P.S. But anyway, it saves a lot of spelling errors. So I guess it's for the good in the end. Okay. So yeah, Karen, we don't know much about her finances, but it seems like she, I think we get like little glimpses into her bedroom. We see her like talking on the phone and there and stuff. And it looks very nice.
0: She did have call waiting, so.
1: That's true. Yeah, she did not seem to be hurting. Um, So next up, we've got Gretchen Wieners. So this is by far the most fun one to me. She is supposed to be the daughter of wealthy parents because... The
0: the heir to the toaster strudel fortune.
1: Her father invented toaster strudel. So I tried to Google this and figure this out. Like who actually did invent toaster strudel in real life? And is that person fabulously wealthy? So apparently it was put out by Pillsbury in
0: 1985. That long
1: ago? Yeah. And they like... Told this guy who worked for them as a, presumably a food scientist, we want something different for breakfast. Get in the lab and make us something yummy and different. And he came up with toaster strudel. The guy's name was Joe Perozzi, Parazzi, something like that. And uh, way to go, Joe. Way to go, Joe. Yeah, but I can't find anything on the internet uh, anymore about Joe Perozzi.
0: They blew the toaster strudel fortune?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Well, the real question is, was there ever a toaster strudel fortune to begin with? Not
0: if he was an employee of Pillsbury. Yeah, I think
1: so too. So a food scientist can make on average like roughly $74,000 per year. That's an average salary for them. Now you can go up quite a bit from that if you get bonuses or profit sharing. So potentially if you are the food scientists behind something that goes gangbusters, then you could get pretty wealthy. But
0: But Pillsbury is a pretty well-established company at that point in time. I can't imagine that they're going to give you toaster strudel specific profit sharing. It seems a little unrealistic.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It will potentially remain a mystery because unless we did some deep, like investigative reporting and went to go find the Perozzi family. I don't know that we would ever know. The internet does not seem to know.
0: I think the only way you could get like super rich by doing that sort of thing is to start your own company where you invent your own toaster strudel, yeah. your own new breakfast item, and then sell it to one of the big boys and yeah. make, make some money there.
1: Yeah. So that's Gretchen Wieners. And then finally we have Regina George. She is the queen bee... She lords over these others um, and over the school in general, really. And as we hear, she is apparently the daughter of very wealthy parents. Um, We never find out anything about what her parents do for work. Uh, We do see her mom hanging out at home in the afternoon in like a track suit. And it kind of is implied that she doesn't work, but we we don't really have any information about that. We never see her father. We never hear anything we about We do her see father. her father. Oh, that's right. He's crying at some point over... Uh, over
0: her Halloween costume. Yes, that's His little right. girl has grown up into something he's not too thrilled about. Well,
1: she dresses up as a Playboy bunny, right? So that's... Like, yeah. So that's. I think that's <laughs> the only glimpse of him that we get, though, right? That's so correct. So we never learn anything about what he does for a living. All we know is that she seems to live this ridiculously high-end lifestyle.
0: She stole the master bedroom in the house from her parents. I mean, she's pretty much a baller.
1: Yeah, she kicked her parents out of the master bedroom because it was nicer and made them go sleep in another room so she could have the big fancy room.
0: Carla, she has two Fendi bags and a silver Lexus.
1: Okay, so Fendi purses, according to Google, at least today, retail from anywhere from like $900 for a low-end small one. Up to like six or seven thousand dollars for the bigger, flashier ones. However, they are not anywhere close to the most expensive purses in the world. Robert, do you know what the most expensive purse in the world is?
0: Um, do they sell it at Marshalls?
1: They do not. Oh, then I, I got <laughs> no idea. Uh, so there is the Birkin bag made by Hermes, which is candy. I have heard of that. It
0: was on Gilmore Girls. It
1: was in Sex and the City. Um, very famous bag these days. Um, but that can retail for up to like a a few million dollars, I think, like three to four million dollars, depending on which a Birkin bag. Mm -hmm. Some of them are more coveted than others. You can buy, I thought they were like tens
0: of thousands.
1: Yeah, you can buy one for as low as like thirteen thousand dollars today, I think. Um, maybe even a little bit less if you're getting like a really small one or something, but. Yeah, that's the low end, but some of them are like special because of their history or like the limited edition. So some of them, some of the Birkenbecks go for up to like $1.4 million, but they are not the most expensive. I had not even heard of this, but according to the internet, the most expensive purse in the world is made by a company whose name I cannot pronounce. I think it's M-O-U-A-W-A-D. Um, And they make this diamond-encrusted heart-shaped bag that goes for $3.8 million.
0: Well, it's not really a purse. It's more like a really big bracelet, right?
1: (laughs) I mean, I don't know. It's a bag. You can put stuff in it.
0: Eh, I don't know. It's not (laughs) functional. No one would use this to carry some lip gloss and a thing of Kleenex and a driver's license. I don't
1: know. That's what one does with purses, at least in my all Humble right. Experience. Well, in any event, Regina George doesn't
0: have one any of those.
1: Yeah, she doesn't have those, but she's racking a couple Fendi's, which means that her parents have spent at least a couple thousand dollars on getting her some purses.
0: Maybe she used that modeling money.
1: Maybe she did. Maybe she really does have her own money. Uh, we also see her driving around in a silver Lexus, which today, a Lexus convertible like that is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred grand. So. These are pretty fancy items that she's flashing around. For
0: a high school junior. Yeah, Mm -hmm. not so bad. So Regina George, if you were to make a wager, would you bet on her being successful in life based on where she is at the beginning of the movie? What do you think is going to happen to her?
1: I don't know. She definitely is competitive and that can go a long way in life and she seems to be very good at marketing herself, right? She's convinced an entire school full of kids that she's like got it going on. So I can certainly see her being a successful Instagram influencer or something in today's world. That usually
0: doesn't translate to success. We talked about this.
1: Well, that's true. That's true. But it can for the, the top like 1% or so of them. She could have been a
0: Kardashian, is she, that you're telling me?
1: Yeah, I mean, that that was going to be the next words out of my mouth as some kind of reality TV star. I can see her doing something along those lines. So, yeah, I don't think she is doomed in life, but she's going to need to try to grow a little bit and figure out how to help solve other people's problems because that's usually the pathway towards building wealth and life is to help other people solve some kind of problem. And it could be a problem like looking good, right? She could help be a stylist. She could help people, you know, craft their image because she's really good at that. But she's got to be useful in some way, shape or form.
0: I mean, she is only a high school junior in the movie, so we shouldn't expect her to be out there curing cancer or anything. I think her odds of being successful in life are pretty good. I mean, she's strong-willed and I don't want to say that she's traditionally smart because we see her ask a lot of dumb questions. Is butter a carb? Is
1: butter a carb? I don't know. Yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) But I do think that she is willing to push pretty hard for the things that she's interested in and that she wants, and she'll probably persevere.
1: Yeah, that seems true. Uh, Which of the others do you think has a good shot of making it in life?
0: Oh, Karen Smith is definitely going to be a weather woman.
1: (laughs) Maybe. Maybe know maybe i do think katie seems like she has a lot of potential right she is very good at math which is a skill that often translates into high-paying jobs we
0: know that kevin g was going to be the one who made it in the real world
1: i mean kevin g does seem like he's got it going on he clearly has a future as a rap artist so Uh,
0: i think trang pack's brother tim pack is on the math team so he he probably did well too
1: Mm -hmm. everybody on the math lead team we assume is crushing it in life
0: based on my experience uh-huh. that's how it goes
1: yeah um <laughs> okay so let's dive into our next clip and we're going to kind of shift away from the kids a little bit and talk about tina Fey's character miss norbury
0: oh my god that's miss norbury oh,
1: i love seeing teachers
0: outside of school it's like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs
1: oh hey guys what's up i didn't know you worked here yeah moderately priced soaps are my calling you shopping no no i'm just here with my boyfriend Joking, sometimes older people make jokes.
0: My Nana takes her wig off when she's drunk.
1: Your Nana and I have that in common. No, uh, actually, I'm just here because I bartend a couple nights a week down at PJ Calamities. (laughs) Katie, I hope you do join Mathletes, you know, because we start in a couple weeks and I would love to have a girl on the team, just, you know, so the team could meet a girl. I think I'm gonna do it. Great. You
0: can't join Mathletes, it's social suicide.
1: Thanks, Damian.
0: Damian doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs)
1: All right. So let's break it down a little bit. So we've got Miss Norberry. She is Katie's math teacher and we see her bartending a couple nights a week, um, at this place that seems to be in the mall. Cause that's where she has run into them is at the mall.
0: She's dressed for PJ calamities, like the lady in, um,
1: jennifer aniston in office space
0: thank you carla <laughs>
1: yeah she's um, got
0: her pieces of flair all over her outfit
1: she does it looks very much like um well i guess bennegan's has gone out of business but at the time this movie came out it probably was still kicking but yeah it's kind of like a bennegan's sort of feel kind of tgi fridays ish I mean,
0: we don't actually see where she works we just see what she's wearing
1: yeah but just based on the uniform alone that's my guess that's fair
0: so she's a teacher in the Chicago land area. We just did an episode a few weeks ago on My Big Fat Greek Wedding, where we learned that teachers starting out with just a bachelor's degree in the Chicago area make about $60,000 a year today. So that must not be enough in the North Shore area. And she's got to supplement that with her barkeeper income.
1: Yeah, it is definitely a tough, tough thing to hear that she's got to work multiple jobs in order to make ends meet, even though she is clearly a very smart person um, and has a really important job of educating the youth of America in a very important subject. So it kind of breaks my heart a little bit to see this. Now I will say um, there's a line in the movie about her ex-husband. She's been through a divorce, which can be a very expensive process. Um, And there's something about her ex-husband having gone to law school and that not having worked out. So maybe she was like helping to put him through law school. We don't know the details of her finances. Maybe she had some extenuating circumstances that made it to where she needed more income. But overall, many teachers in America are really struggling to make ends meet and do have second jobs. So even without any kind of extenuating circumstances, it's very believable that she was needing to To pull in some extra bucks in order to make things work. So whatever her salary, whatever her circumstances are, in this particular movie, she is having to supplement her income with a bartending gig. So how much do you think she could reasonably expect to make at a gig like this?
0: Oh gosh. And this bartending gig, um, I don't know, like a hundred dollars a night. It's not some, it's not a club. She's not serving tons of drinks to tons of people. She's probably working at a Chili's like environment where there's a bar that's not that busy and maybe half the drinks she's making are for people at tables that are being served by somebody else. And there's some tip pooling going on. She's not making that much.
1: Yeah, I agree. So in general, bartenders report that they make about $200 a night on a good night. Um, Obviously that can go much higher at like a really nice bar. That's super busy, like a Friday, Saturday night. But that's pretty typical. So because she's working at this restaurant, that's probably more of a restaurant than a bar. Um, Again, we're basing this all on one outfit we see in the movie, but that's our guess.
0: She's clearly not working a full shift either. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because, I mean, she's got to get up early to be back at school in the morning. And being a teacher is not like a, you know, just school hours kind of job, right? You've got to be preparing curriculum and grading papers and things. Um, So, yeah, she's probably not doing it. For a full shift. Why
0: is she being a bartender in the first place, right? Why isn't yeah. she doing something else that's more akin to what she enjoys? Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe she does enjoy being a bartender, but you would think that if she really loves teaching, she could be some kind of a tutor. She could probably doesn't want to tutor kids who go to her school. There's probably rules against that, but maybe other schools in the district or Heck, she lives in the greater Chicago area. There's people around who want to pay for tutoring, guaranteed.
1: Yeah, no question about that. I think tutoring is probably her best bet for a really good side hustle that will bring in a lot more than like $100 for five or six hours of work, right? That's not a very good rate of pay for somebody who has the skill set that she has, especially math. That is a subject where people need a lot of tutoring and that one-on-one attention can be super helpful to folks. So yeah, I think she could probably be charging um, 50 to a hundred dollars an hour as a tutor and make a heck of a lot more than she does tending bar.
0: Well, heck, even if she wants to make the same amount as she does as a bartender, she could probably get a job working for a test prep company like Kaplan or something, right? They do test prep for the SAT, for the LSAT, for all kinds of stuff. If you've got the skills to be a high school calculus teacher, you probably can, you know, make the cut to do that sort of education too.
1: Oh yeah. No question about that. Yeah. I taught as an LSAT instructor for a little while. Um, when I was in law school, it was great. I loved it. Super fun.
0: Yeah. And easy money, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. It was really fun. I enjoyed it. Okay. So the last thing for this clip is the the quote from Damien that becoming a mathlete is going to be social suicide. So as the mathlete, Robert, go ahead and tell us, how do you feel about this statement?
0: Well, it's just wrong. I mean, (laughs) it is 100% incorrect. Um, As a former mathlete, I can tell you that I was incredibly popular. I mean, look at me, right? Uh I'm clearly the heart of popularity. In all seriousness, at my school, we had a huge thriving math club. I think we had over 100 members in it. Every year, the student body president when I was a student there, was an active, usually quite talented member of the math club, someone who was very successful. You don't get to be elected the most, you know, the student body president is often the most popular person in school, right? Sure. Something close to that? Yeah. Um, you don't get put in that role if you're some loser, nerdy math weirdo. You get put in that role because being a math lead is awesome. I mean, I don't know about other schools. Our math club, we had cheerleaders and everything. Uh-huh. I mean, it was definitely the popular thing to do.
1: Can I just note for the record that Robert is lying about the cheerleader There were real
0: cheerleaders, Carla.
1: Uh, Okay. We're going to let that one slide for now. Um, In any event, I do think you went to a very unusual high school. You went to a magnet high school, right? Everybody there was much more academically focused than in an average public school. I went to a pretty nice private high school, and even there... Being a mathlete was kind of social suicide. What? Yeah. I'm, well, first of all, it was barely a thing. Like, I, I know we had Mu Alpha Theta. I vaguely remember it being a thing, but almost nobody was in it. It just was very, very small. And yeah, it was kind of looked at as a pretty geeky thing to do. And yeah, it just, it was not the most awesome thing one could do with one's time in high school. It was much more like the stereotypical, you know, the football players were popular and the cheerleaders were the real cheerleaders, not your fake cheerleaders. They were popular. Um, Yeah, like it was more of a traditional high school experience. My high school looked more like Mean Girls, certainly than yours did. So I can say with a lot of confidence that what Damien said probably rings true. However, okay, here's what I think is the really good and important news is that I think this is changing pretty rapidly, right? It is becoming cooler and cooler with time to be the smart kid.
0: Yeah, was, I started this. Yeah, I mean, it's all because I created the trend, Carla. Right?
1: Yeah, I mean, even when I was a kid, it was like, it wasn't uncool to be smart. It just, you had to be like the right kind of smart, right? Like you couldn't rub it in people's faces too much. But it was still considered great to be like at the top of your class because like everyone knows that doing well in school can lead to a happier more prosperous life. So, it was still considered a good thing to be good in school overall. You just not in a mathlete sort of way. <laughs> That's all I can say. But I think even that is changing. Like people recognize more and more that to be like really great with computers, to be really good at math, really good at like different programming codes, all of those things are becoming more and more mainstream and recognized for how tough they are and how impressive it is for you to be good at it. So I think it's changing and I'm really, really happy about that.
0: I think you shouldn't be afraid to be authentically you. And even in high school where the population of people you have to engage with may be relatively small, you shouldn't be afraid of this so-called social suicide, um, You have a long life ahead of you and you should do the things at an early age that set you up for the success or the version of life that you're looking for for the long term. And don't let what everybody else thinks get in the way. Join the math club. Join the math club.
1: I fully agree with all of that. I think it's great. I'm just saying when I was a kid, I would have agreed with Damian, but no, I fully agree as an adult, I can look back on it and say, yeah, that's a hundred percent the right thing to do.
0: Join the math club.
1: I can also see with the benefit of hindsight now that the only thing kids really care about is confidence, right? If you're confident in who you are and you think being the mathletes is just like the coolest thing ever, people will respect you for that, right? Because ultimately all kids want is to be confident. And if they see it in you, they're going to be like, oh, you have that thing I want. I respect you for that.
0: Well, Carla, Mean Girls wouldn't be a school movie if there wasn't a school dance involved. Mm -hmm. And picking out the right dress for such an occasion is always an important challenge. Let's hear a little bit about Regina George and her dress shopping. In January, Regina had put a Spring Fling dress on hold at a store called 135. But being plastic, she needed our advice
1: before she could actually buy it. Can someone zip me up? It won't close. It's a five. Okay, it must be marked wrong. Katie, all I've been eating are these calteen bars. They suck. No, no, this is just
0: how they work. This is all your water weight. First you bloat, and then you drop 10 pounds like that.
1: Well, the calteen bars have burned up all your carbs, and now your body's just running on water. But once the water's gone, then you'll be all muscle. It explains it all on the label. You know Swedish? Yeah, everyone in Africa can read Swedish. Ma'am, do you have this in the next size up? Sorry, we only carry sizes one, three, and five. You could try Sears.
0: Oh. Sears.
1: Oh, the horror. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, wow.
0: So, this is why I'm a little bit concerned about Regina's intelligence. She just accepts the idea that everyone in Africa <laughs> yeah. reads Swedish.
1: Uh, yeah, there's a reason to be concerned there. Yeah. Um, what a random country for a whole continent to be able to to read that language. like Everyone knows
0: Sweden was big on the, uh, you know, conquering and you know, colonizing the whole world.
1: Yeah. I also think it's really hilarious how throughout the whole of this movie, they talk about Africa as though it's like a country, like this small little place. It's a huge effing continent. With I don't know how many countries are in Africa, but I'm guessing at least 30. It's like, there's a lot of countries in Africa and pr- probably a lot of variety among many the many African countries and like what languages people can read there. And yeah, anyway. They talk about it like it's Lichtenstein or something. In any event, so let's talk about the cost of this dress. We don't hear them say in the movie what this dress might have cost, but what I can tell you is that today, a prom dress, on average, there's there's really no good average number, but a range of prices that people pay goes from like $85 up to about $700, I think the median is probably somewhere like two to three hundred dollar range.
0: Okay, so that, I assume that eighty-five dollar range is the bargain basement option from a, a major department store, rather than yeah something at a, a boutique like one three five.
1: Yes, one three five is very exclusive. Man, I do not feel like that shit would fly at all today. To have a store that like only carries up to some really really small size, with today's like body positivity, that would not fly.
0: Twenty twenty four. 38. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, is there, isn't there like a five, seven, nine?
1: Yeah, there used to be. And I'm pretty sure that's gone out of business. Now. Was it the same model? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember if I ever shopped there, but yeah, that was a thing. And I've, I'm pretty sure it's gone now. Okay. Wow. So there we go.
0: So Regina is shopping at this fancy boutique. Let's assume she got something on the higher end, the $300 plus range for, for this dress for the spring fling. Man, that feels like a lot for a high school kid's dress.
1: Yeah, that is a huge sum of money to be spending on a one time wear kind of dress. And I will say it is a one time wear kind of thing. Now, I, I actually took a quick browse at what prom dresses look like today because it has been many years since I was shopping for or wore anything resembling a prom dress. Um, they do, they look better now. They've gotten a little bit more fashionable, and I can picture somebody may be wearing the kinds of things that I saw online to like a charity event maybe or something down the line.
0: Because most high school kids are going to charity events, right?
1: I mean, you know, it's prom. They're graduating soon. Like most college kids are going to charity events, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a fair, it's a fair point. But at least there's like a possibility of wearing some of the dresses that I saw at some sort of other event down the line. Although I will say fashion's gonna change again right like what's cool today is probably not gonna be cool by the time you're an old enough adult to be going to some sort of like charity event um, or some kind of like black tie event so yeah it's basically never gonna work like these are one-time thing dresses.
0: I think if you're going to something as fancy as a black tie charity event, you're going to want to get a new dress for it anyway. You yeah. probably won't be the same size as you were when you were a junior in high school. Also true. I know that I am not. So, <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: I, yeah. No, these, it's, it's, you have to accept the fact that you're never going to wear it again. It's like a wedding dress.
0: So why are people, like, does Walmart carry a line of prom dresses?
1: Oh, that's a valid question. I don't know. But I will say a really great thing to do is donate your old prom dresses and you have to do it soon after you graduate because as we said these fashions are going to change right kids aren't going to want them for very long but I did that with some of my dresses I think as soon as I was out of college because I did go to a couple college dances and I wore them a couple more times but um after that for sure like Never going to wear those things ever again. When do you
0: you think is the best time to go shopping at like a Goodwill or a thrift store for a used prom dress? Is it like summer?
1: Yeah, probably because you're getting the cast offs, right? People wear them in May and then they're getting rid of them. So yeah, probably check your local thrift stores in like late May, June, July.
0: All right, Carla, you have an assignment. You have to do some research on this. I need you to go check out the prom dress selection here uh, let's do it sometime in September, <laughs> go check around December, do a quarterly checkup on the prom dress count at several thrift stores here mm-hmm. in Longmont, Colorado. I'd like to know.
1: I will do that. But I will say it's not just thrift stores that have these things for sale. There are places that are like dedicated to repurposing prom dresses in particular, because it is such a wasteful thing, right? You spend all this money and then you wear it once, maybe twice if you go to like a college dance or something. So yeah, there are places that are specifically dedicated to re giving away or reselling prom dresses.
0: Well, I feel bad for you ladies out there who feel compelled to wear a dress. Um, being a dude, you really don't have to do anything too special.
1: Well, most people rent a tux and the, for
0: spring fling, please yeah, give me a break.
1: Well it's but I think of it as like junior prom. I don't
0: think Shane Omen had a tux on. I don't know.
1: Um, but yeah, it's, that's pretty typical for like a nice high school dance for kids to run a tux. And that is anywhere from like hundred to $150. So the guys get off easier, but not that much easier.
0: Well, I would say a lot of like lower than prom level dances, at least where I went to school, a suit was sufficient. So if yeah. you had a suit for any purpose, you could just mix it up with a different shirt or a different tie and you kind of wear the same suit all the time.
1: That's true. So, if anybody still has some old prom dresses lying around in a closet somewhere, make sure you donate those bad boys, because some girl will really appreciate it. Assuming it's not from, like, the 80s or 90s, or even the early 2000s, because, man, fashion changes.
0: Maybe it's come back around.
1: Yeah, you never know.
0: And join the math club.
1: Everybody go join a math club. Even if you're a full-blown adult, find a math club and join it so you can brag about being a mathlete.
0: Well, it's not to brag. It's just to make your life better.
1: Right. Right. That too.
0: All right. Well, thanks for enjoying our first episode in our series about school. We'll have some more fun for you coming next week.
1: Yeah, we'll catch you next time.
0: Take care.